0: Amen. Good morning, church family and friends. It's uh, good to be here with you this morning. Uh, Hopefully, uh, sooner than later, we'll all be together again. But in the meantime, we're going to keep going and keep believing and and trusting the Lord that God is having His way in spite of our situation and circumstance. So I, I pray you'd experience that. Before I give my message this morning, I wanted to read something. This is for mothers. Uh, this is, I wrote this back in uh, 2011, right after my mom passed away. And so I wanted to read it, and I, I believe it will minister to you, especially mothers, but really for all of us. So I'm just going to read this. Uh, it says, a great theologian of the 1900s wrote, The theological seminary is good. A Christian mother's knee is still better. It is believed that God visited Solomon in a dream and gave him a blank check because his father and mother prepared him to make the right choices. The influence of a father and mother on a child cannot be emphasized enough. My mama went home on October the 14th, 2011, nine days shy of her 94th birthday. Mama was a simple woman and lived a simple life. She loved children, flowers, and plants, and was at her happiest when she could occupy herself with the care of them. She dropped out of school in the sixth grade to help care for her siblings. She never had a driver's license or a full-time job outside the home. Yet her simplicity, in her simplicity, she greatly influenced the course of my life. When I was a little boy, every afternoon she would sit next to the window where the sun was coming in and read the newspaper. One day I asked her if I could turn the lights on. She said, no, we need to use God's light. It's much better. That struck a chord in my heart that I have never forgotten. It was the first time I ever seriously considered God in my own heart. There was a time when we took a summer walk in the woods near our house. A summer rain caught us a good ways from our house. I thought we should take off. Running, but Mama said, let's just walk and enjoy God's blessing. I can feel the rain falling on me right now. We were soaked to the bone when we got home. When I feel consumed by the frantic pace of life and cares of this life, I remind myself of that walk in the rain. Mama was the type of person you did not want to cross. One time I upset her really bad, and she grabbed a switch she kept on top of the refrigerator for such occasions. I decided I would make a run for it and took off out the back door as hard as I could go. In my elementary school years, I was always one of the fastest kids in the school, so surely I could outrun my mama. I was running towards one of our barns where I could hide out until she cooled off. But one of my shoes slipped off, and I stopped momentarily to get it back on. To my shock, there was my mama about 10 yards behind me with a fire in her eyes, And a switch held high in her hand. I never ran from facing the consequences of my actions again. I found out that that day there is such a thing as a righteous fear of the Lord. Mama is the best example of the Jehovah Sneaky that I have ever known. She came from a long line of Holy Ghost revivalists dating back to the first great awakening. But it was in her simple ways that she passed the fire down to her family. All of her children and grandchildren have a relationship with Christ. Both her sons are pastors. One grandson is a missionary and one a youth pastor. I just wanted to encourage you moms. You're making a greater impact than you really will ever know. And my mom, I was so blessed to have a mom that impacted my life the way she did. And, and, and I want you to know that you're making an impact. Well, sometimes I realize you don't feel it, but you really are. And your children will grow up, and they'll carry that impact with them for the rest of their life. And it will just burst forth in great fruit. So I just want to pray for moms right now. God bless you, moms. We're so thankful for you, and we believe in you. We trust you. We trust you. We love you. And I I pray uh, for all your children, your grandchildren, if you have them yet they would just somehow be able to reach out to you today and that you would feel love today and you would feel value today and that you would know that you're like the Holy Spirit to your family. That's really what you're like. You're like the Holy Spirit to your family. And know that you are putting seeds in your children. Just know that. And that your children will rise up and call you blessed one day. In Jesus' name, I bless you. Amen. Well, I want to, this gives me a great, my mom's name was named Ruth, and this is sort of my little segue into to my message today, because I've taken it from the book of Ruth, and I want to tell you the night, that I titled this message, Activate God's Favor, that's what I want to talk to you just briefly about this morning, I want to read Ruth chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, just kind of give you a little introduction to the book of Ruth, Obviously, because my mom was named Ruth, I, early on as, as a believer, I was attracted to the book of Ruth because of my mama, and I have fallen in love with this book. It's one of the books in the Old Testament that I go back to often and read, and God just continues over the years to speak to me and just reveal himself to me through this amazing little Beautiful four chapter books. So I always encourage people. Sometimes we struggle with our our Bible reading, and it seems to get mechanical and dry. Many times when that, I feel that happening to me. I'll go back to the Book of Ruth. That's one of the books I'll go back to, because it's so easy and so lovely to read. And and God always speaks to me through this this amazing book. But. Ruth, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it said, It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. That's such a, an amazing uh, statement there, when the judges ruled. That there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to de- dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and two sons. Well, the, the period of Judges uh, was a, really a tumultuous time in Israel. It was, it was marked by immorality. Injustices, idolatry, famine, disease, poverty, and war. (laughs) Sort of sounds like the world we live in today. It's because when judges ruled and Jesus wasn't ruling. And that's what happens when Jesus doesn't rule. But this was the world that Ruth lived in. It was a very tumultuous world, very difficult world. Uh, And Ruth was. To me, is one of the greatest examples in the Bible of a person who discovered the favor of God and was able to walk in this favor. Um, she was actually a foreigner. Ruth uh, was not a uh, she was not a, a Jewish person. She was not a Hebrew. She was a Moab. And as as you well, you may or may not know, Moab uh, is the result of a incestuous relationship uh, between Lot and one of his daughters. They were a very despised people by the Hebrews. In fact, God declared uh, that no Moabite could enter the assembly of the Lord. They were forbidden from entering the assembly of the Lord. So that's, that's the woman who grew up in such a tumultuous world. Everything working against her in the natural, just as far as the world was concerned, but also who she was, her race was, was, was against her. So this woman had everything working against her. And, and she was also very poor. She was impoverished. She was a widow. She, she, she didn't have a husband. She really had no one to care for her. Uh, and that meant that the chances of her be, uh, getting another man was greatly diminished because there were much younger Hebrew women available to the Hebrew guys there, and they weren't going to have anything to do with a Moabite woman. So let me read uh, Ruth 2. Of course, many of you may know that the way Ruth wound up in and uh Israel is because of her mother in law Naomi who uh, she went back to Israel after this famine ended. She went back with Israel after her husband passed and she went and, and, and was living with Naomi in Israel. And let me just read uh, chapter 2. I'm skipping over a lot of information just to kind of point out a couple of things here. It says, There was a a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. I may find... See, this is a key phrase in this whole book. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened... I love that word. She happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the family of Elimelech. Wow. Let me say something. She happened to come... mm, this morning uh, earlier, Becky and I were doing communion together and been, began to pray uh, over the communion we'd like to pray over our family, over our children, our grandchildren we'd pray over our church family um, and I began to to declare the covenant of peace, the covenant of peace and it really I really felt the breath of God on it and as I As I was getting ready to go, and as I was driving in, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about peace. And this is what he told me. He he began to let me feel the peace of God that's already available to us, that we already have. Lots of times we don't feel peace. I realized at that moment there had been a little bit of anxiousness that was getting into my heart, and about about life, about this, about what we're doing, about what how we're going to stop doing, when we're going to stop. All these things be have worked on me a little bit this week and I realized at that moment the Holy Spirit said to me is the I have the answers. You don't have to strive for the answers. You don't have to do anything. The answers are available to you if you will be at peace, if you will just rest in my rest in who I am. And I want to declare that over you. Just like with with uh Ruth here, she just happened. See, she didn't strive to do it. She believed. She believed that she would have favor. She declared that she would have favor, and she just went out trusting that God was going to put her in the right place at the right time with the right people. And and I just believe that if we will... Whatever's happening in your life, whatever you feel anxious about, whatever you feel concerned about, if today you could just begin to release that because you are truly under a covenant of peace and you truly already do have the favor of God working in your life and if you will allow it, you will just happen as Ruth did and define yourself in the right place at the right time. Ruth knew she had to have favor to survive. She was. She could not survive without it. There, there would be no food on the table. She was going to die. She, was, she would die and, and and be forgotten forever, and we'd never know about her. Well, to make this beautiful sh- story very short and skipping over so many amazing things, Ruth winds up marrying Boaz, Boaz being the most wealthy man in town. <laughs> now, if that's not favor, there's no such thing as favor, and... Um, and what she became, she became the great-grandmother of King David. And she's one of three women found in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And guess who one of the other women who are happen to be in genealogy is, is Rahab, the former prostitute who happened to be Boaz's mother. Isn't that amazing? God has just got a great sense of humor, I think. He puts these strategic people in the Bible that have a past. They don't measure up a prostitute, a woman of the night, a, a, a Moabite who came from an insectu- you know people from a very sexually perverse people, and God puts them in his genealogy of his son. And of course, we know the other woman in the genealogy of Jesus was Mary, the mother of Jesus, the, the young mother of Jesus. So here here they are. Here's, here's some of the things, some keys for us to really be able to activate the favor of God in your life. Okay? First is confession. And that's exactly what Ruth did. She confessed. She she said, Um, let me go, right? She wanted to go, please let me go. In verse Verse 2, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. So that's the first thing we've got to believe. As, as followers of Christ, as people of God, we have to begin to believe that we already have the favor of God working in our life. And the way we activate that favor, the first thing we, we must do, we should do, is we need to declare it. We need to speak it forth, and that enables it, that activates that favor that's already there. I'd like to read a quote to you from uh, Henry Noen, who is a, was a, just amazing man. He was a, he was a, a professor uh, of theology in the Catholic tradition at Notre Dame, had this amazing encounter with the Lord, and winds up moving to Toronto, Canada, and working in a home for mentally and physically disabled people. And his life was completely transformed from that moment. He said that was the first time in his life, really, since he'd become an adult, that he walked into a place, and nobody in the room could give a rip about his education, who he was, what he knew, what he didn't knew. And in their eyes, he was just like them. And it really brought him into some amazing revelation of the Lord. But this is what Henry said. Uh, He's just one of he's one of my favorite authors. He said, "Jesus is the blessed one." When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, a voice came from heaven saying, "You are my son, the beloved. My favor rests upon you." That's from Mark one eleven. This was the blessing that sustained Jesus during his life, and Jesus came in the world to share that blessing with us. Jesus came in the world to share the favor of God with us. Isn't that amazing? And so really, when we begin to believe that in our hearts and begin to confess that, that's the first step to being able to really activate that favor of God and begin to see that favor of God work in your life and and make a difference in your life. One of my stories about the favor of God is, is, this is back when I was in the engineer world before I went into full-time ministry. And uh, I was in just in. I had this you know, high pressure, high stress job, uh, and it was a, an amazing job. One of the things that I would do every day is I would pray for the. I would declare the favor of God with my employer, with with my with the customers I dealt with, with the other people I worked with. Every morning on my drive to work, I would just do. I would do that, and I had amazing favor in my life there. It it was totally the favor of God. People loved me. I was promoted. I I mean, I had an amazing career going, uh, and I would have done well, I believe, if I'd have stayed in that career. But God had something different for me, and and it was, you know, pastoring. But I'll I'll tell you this. When we begin to confess that favor, something shifts in the spiritual realm, and something can change in your life over that favor. Where you had failure, where you had difficulty, favor can come and make it better for you. Uh, the other thing, the second thing we need to do, oh, I wanted to tell you this before I go on to that, is um, Becky asked, we have a good friend, uh, his name's David Harwood, who's just this amazing guy who's smart, so smart he's unreal, uh, but he's also very spiritual. Uh, he lives in New York, and uh, we hang out with him from time to time, and uh, Becky asked him one day, David, what's your, what is your definition of Grace. Because, you know, the Bible really never defines grace. There's many definitions of grace. But David just looked at her and said, favor is favor. Because in the New Testament... In the Greek New Testament, the word for grace and favor are the exact same Greek word. Grace and favor. I just think that's just an amazing, an amazing thought. Here, let me give you a quickie little definition of favor. Favor is the affection of God towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. And I can tell you that's, a, a, that's, I, that's what I saw in my life. Back in my engineer days. I just, I just had that favor working in my life. Okay, that's, so the first thing we do is, is we confess that we have favor. We, we confess it. We believe it. We declare it. The second thing we, we're, we're really going to need to do is to take our eyes off ourselves. We've got we to take our eyes off on our liabilities and our abilities. You've got to take your eyes off your age off your experience, off your circumstance, and the situations around you. You see, what Ruth did, Ruth had, she was a total liability. She had no abilities going for her. Everything was going against her. But see, she didn't allow that to stop her. I think many times we can feel like we don't measure up. We're looking at everybody else. I don't measure up. I can never be like them. I'll never be as good as them. I will not be, be able to do what they do. See? And so what we're doing is we're looking at self. Or it could be the other thing. We could be highly skilled. We could, be high, we could have a lot going, and we're trusting in that to get us through instead of trusting in the Lord to get us through. And so, so what we have to do for really for favor to really flow in our life is we've got to get our, our eyes off on ourselves liabilities and or abilities, and begin to look to the favor of God for it to be the thing that carries us. And when you do that, that allows favor to flow. If, it's, if you're looking to yourself, what that is going to do, is going to be like a, 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 a dam that's going to dam up favor. And favor is not going to be able to flow through you and flow around your life. So that's a very very uh, important one. Okay, so first one is confession, confession. The second one is get your eyes off yourself and look to the Lord who has given us favor and trust him with the favor. All right, the third one, this is one uh, most people don't really like is submission, submission. Submission is never popular. But I'll tell you what, it's very hard to walk in favor apart from being a, a submitted person. Here's the example. Ruth submitted to Naomi's counsel and went. She said, let me go. And, and she submitted to what Naomi told her. And if you read the whole story of Ruth, uh, uh, Naomi gave her much counsel after that to help her get to that place where she married uh, Boaz. And so it was, so Ruth was submitting to Naomi the whole the whole way. Uh Esther, from the book of Esther, she submitted to this man named Haggai who was over the king's heroine that she had been placed in. He was the custody of the women, and she became the queen because she submitted to his counsel, his advice. Uh, Queen Esther later submitted to her uncle, Mordecai, and found favor of the king and saved an entire nation of people through her submission. And, of course, we know about Mary, the mother of Jesus, submitting to that word, word that an angel spoke to her. And because of that, she became the mother of Jesus. And then we know this great thing about Jesus Christ himself. That the Bible says he grew in favor. See, favor is something you grow in, expand in. He grew in favor and wisdom with God and man. Listen, after he submitted to his parents as a 12-year-old boy, that's what the Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 2. After he submitted and went down with them, he humbled himself. He submitted himself. Listen, submission does not earn us favor. It, this is not about earning, but it positions us. Submission puts us in position for favor to work in your life. If you don't submit, you don't, you're not in position for where the, the favor is going to flow. I, I, this is a great story that I just absolutely love, uh, told by uh, Pastor John Kilpatrick. Many of you may know who Pastor John is. Uh, John Kilpatrick, back in the '90s, there was a revival in Pensacola, Florida, at a church called Brownsville Assembly of God. This uh, this was a church where people literally would line up every night in—I mean, line up all day—to get into a service in the evenings. They would stand outside in the hot summer sun. I know several people who stood out there, me being one of them. And the reason God was moving so powerful in that church, literally hundreds of thousands of people were saved over a two or three year span where that revival. And and, uh, John Kilpatrick was actually the pastor of that church. Well, here's the story he told. uh, uh, Two or three years before... uh, Brownsville happened maybe a few years maybe more than two or three years but two or three years before he became the pastor of Brownsville he had began he had taken a church in Indiana and and had begun to pastor this church in Indiana and John Kilpatrick was a guy he's a supernatural guy he's a you know, believes in the spiritual realm, believes in revival. And he was preaching a lot of that in this church. And there was a pretty good group of people in the church that were really not going for any of that. And they began, began to come against him and began to really push back on that. And and finally, he got he just got fed up with it and and decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to resign this church, and I'm going to start traveling and be like an itinerant preacher. And so that's what he did. He he lined up three churches to go preach, you know, revival meetings at, and left the church and took off to his first uh, church. Uh, on the way to the church, he uh, you know he was traveling across country in a, in his, in his van with his family. He stopped off at a friend's house and spent the night. And he got a phone call, and it was the church. He was like the next morning, he got a phone call, and it was the church that he was headed to to do the meetings. And they counseled on him. And he said by noon that day, all the appointments, all the churches that he had lined up, all had called and counseled. He, he was just bewildered at that moment. So he went back home, called his pastor, and said, Hey, pastor, can we get together and pray? And it was something they had done over the years often. So it wasn't some big deal. He didn't tell his pastor. He didn't tell them why they were getting together. He just said, let's get together and pray. So it was sort of a, you know, not an unusual thing. And so they got together and prayed. He did not pray about any of this out loud. You know, this prayed. And when they finished, his pastor looked at him and said, John, what's wrong with you? He said, what are you talking about? He said, what's wrong with you? What's going on in your life? And he said, well, he told him the story. And he said, John, get on the phone right now and call that ch- your church back and ask them, will they take you back? He said, I'm not doing that. He said, John, I'm telling you, call the church. I don't want to call them. John, humble yourself. Call that church and ask them. I'm telling you, that's what you need to do. So he said it was the hardest thing he'd ever done because he really had to humble himself. So he called, like the, like the be like the head elder, and, and he said, John, we'd love for you to be back. You know, we're going to have to go through a process to do it, but we want you back. And so he did that and went back to the church. After being back at the church for about a year, uh, he gets a call from Brownsville Assembly saying, John, would you consider coming to our church and pastoring our church? And, and, of course, the rest is history. His point in telling the story was this. If he would not have submitted to his pastor John Kilpatrick would have not gone to Brownsville. They would have never called him, and he would have never been able to, to pastor that revival that he had. That's, that's pretty powerful. That really really speaks a whole lot. And so I know submitting has, is a, has been abused in the church, has been misused in the church, but I'll tell you something, it's part of the kingdom of God. And if we're going to really walk in favor the way the Holy Spirit wants us to walk in favor, we're going to have to become people who submit. And sometimes, you know, we want to be encouraged. We want to be loved on. Sometimes we, we may need to hear something that we don't want to hear. Sometimes we may need to hear somebody who does love us and who does care about us and who does have our best interests in mind to to speak into our life something that we don't want to hear to help us. And and you you and I will be very wise people when that happens to submit to what they're saying and see what God does down the road. Because God's got a plan for your life and God wants to release a lot of favor. So so submission is very important when if you're going to really walk in a fuller measure of favor. And I got this feeling in my heart that I'm talking to some people this morning that there's some favor coming, that there's some favor in front of you that you're going to walk into, so it's going to be really key for you, number one, confession of favor, believing that you already have. Number two, get your eyes off yourself. This is not about you. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how bad you are. It's not about how bad you've been. Or how good you've been. It's about none of that. It's about what Christ has done for you. And it's about his favor that he is sharing with you. That's, that's what it's like. And what we do is we get our eyes on that and get our eyes on him, on King Jesus. And number three is submit to the authorities that God has put in your life. Submit to the authorities. Young people, submit to your parents. Adults, submit to spiritual authorities that people... I'm not talking about somebody you don't have a relationship. I'm talking about people who love you and have your best in mind. Like John Kilpatrick's pastor loved him and saw right away something that he needed to do that was going to secure an amazing future for him. And the last thing uh, I wanted to tell you, this is really simple, but I'll tell you, this is everything, is being thankful. You know, being thankful... It's something I don't think the church can ever quit preaching about and quit talking about. It's like being forgiving or being forgiven. It's just something we had to go through over and over. But you know, uh, I I found myself a little little, uh, just I guess sort of in a down mood for a couple of days, just sort of down. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, "You're not thankful. You're not thankful." That's what he said to me. And I realized I had started looking around. I wasn't happy the way things are and the way I think I thought things should be. And I began to repent to him and tell him, Lord, I'm just sorry. And I began to go back and recount my blessings that I already have, things that God has already did, has done for me, and begin to thank him for it. And thank him for all this favor that I've had in my life and things he's done for me. And I, you know what? My attitude just shifted. It completely shifted. I wasn't no longer feeling down and feeling weighted. I, I was starting to feel some joy. I was starting to feel some peace. I was starting to connect with the the voice of the Father because suddenly I was being thankful. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans 1 that uh, there, was a, there's, there were people. It's you start reading about a Romans one verse eighteen on to about twenty five, it says it says there was people all. It, this is how the King, new King James says it. Although they knew God, okay, they knew Him. They there was some relationship with God already. They did not honor Him as God. Neither were they thankful therefore god gave them over in other words they when he says god god didn't force himself he let them go a direction in their life that if you read the read it it's not a good direction they didn't honor him as god nor were they thankful there it says their minds became futile their minds became darkened because simply this they're not they're dishonoring towards the lord and i think as a parent, we all know that's something that when our children dishonor us, that's something that really is wounding to us. That's something that, you know, we're not going to really tolerate is being dishonored. And that's the way God is. He doesn't want to be dishonored. He wants us to honor him as God, and he wants us to be thankful. And I believe this about being thankful and, 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 be, and honoring God. It really does keep the door open to the favor of God in your life. It keeps the spirit, the spirit flowing in your life. It's like a doorstop, honor and thing. It opens the door, it holds the door open where God can really bring these, these blessings of favor in your life. So that's really the message I had this morning. I want to just uh, review these, these four points one more time, all from, from Ruth. Number one is confession, Okay. You have favor in Christ. Jesus came to share that favor with you. He came because the favor of God is what sustained Jesus on this earth, and Jesus has shared that favor with us. That's what will sustain us on this earth. So that's the first thing. Number two, get your eyes off yourself. Don't trust in your abilities or don't allow your liabilities to hinder you. Don't allow those voices in your head that tell you, no, you can't do this, you're not, you're not qualified, or you're not as good. Don't allow that, or don't look to the you that you do have. That's going to carry you, because it's not. It's the favor of God that's going to carry you. Number three, submission. Submit yourself to one another. Submit yourself to, to the spiritual authorities that God has placed in your life, and that will that positions you, for the favor of God to work in your life. And number four, be thankful. Stay in a, in a mode of thankfulness. Let me pray for you. God bless you mothers. This is, this, this is a message that came from a mother. Came from Ruth. A wonderful mother in the Bible. So Father, I just thank you today. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for, um, thank you for that healing that was being declared earlier. And so I just pray for every person right now that's uh, hearing this. Lord, I pray that they begin to come into a revelation of your favor. I pray the anointing of favor would come upon their life. I pray for those who have jobs. Uh, I just declare that over. I, I, I just know that God wants you to have favor on your job, on your business. He wants you to have favor he wants you to have favor of customers. He wants you to have favor with your with your uh, employer. He wants you to have favor with people you work with. That's what God wants to do. He wants to give you that. That's available to you. It belongs to you. It's part of your spiritual inheritance. I pray that God will release that to you. I, I pray for those... You know, like all of us are, we struggle with self-image. We struggle with measuring up. We look at our lives and think, gosh, I'm just, I came from nothing. How am I going to ever make it? I'm having to scratch out everything. I just pray that you'd see that there's favor available for you. That you begin to confess it and believe it and tap into it. And for some of us who may be thinking a little too highly of ourselves today, let it go. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry I thought that. Forgive me. Just let it go. And just be thankful. Be be thankful. Be submissive. Be submissive. I just pray that you just receive this today and that you'd be blessed. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day again. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.